we're going to go right into Dr. Godwin, or Kay, in your own words. So we're going to wrap this around. And at the end of May, we're going to come back to Dr. Corliss Bennett, and we're going to talk about what we have done the entire month of May. She's given us all a challenge, and now we got to make sure we take care of me. Yes. We're going to come back and get you in May. This is perfect timing. In your own words, you're going to tell us what you've done. I can't perfect wait segue. for that to give you the report. I can't wait. That's because perfect. Because after all, I looked at Dr. Kelly and we went to the same salon. Is it, say it again. What? I'm perfect. We went to the same barber shop. Oh. <laughs> it's all gone right now. And it's time to take care of me because Absolutely. it is a month and not the world of day. Absolutely. Well, good luck with your show. I'm about to go and go, what? Rest. Because that's All right. <laughs> All right, y'all. Take care. All right. Take care. Take care. And you have been listening to Dr. Corliss Bennett on Mindful Mondays. And it is time for Dr. Godwin or Kay, in your own words, right here on ITRNRadio.com. Come on back, folks. Stay with us. Stick and stay. Don't go away. It is time for Dr. Godwin Ortiz. Thank you so very much. Hi, Dr. Godwin Ortiz. How are you? I am great. I am fantastic. I had a very interesting day, and it matches with our very, very interesting guest that we have today, Miss Johnny Shepard, that I also know through other professional connection. She's an experienced facilitator of the learning experience, as she describes herself. She's an amazing coach. And, uh, you know, she just has this radio voice, and I could not resist <laughs> the urge to invite her because um, that, uh, in my all my interactions with uh, this gentle lady, I've noticed the pace and the cadence, the way she speaks, measured and toned versus mm-hmm. my own energy level. But she communicates. So being the guest today, I, I will I would like her to tell us just a little bit about herself, what she does, and then we will kick it from there, which is our usual conversation with a doctor. To Godwin Orke, and we address some of the topical issues and points that I already have noted out. And uh, Yolanda, before we invited, before we invite uh, uh, Miss Shepard to speak, can you please remind us where we can get this show from? Absolutely. Thank you very much, Doctor Orke. Thank you very much. You can get this broadcast and all of your favorite broadcasts on all of your favorite podcast platforms. That's Amazon, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pandora, Google, all of them. You can also find us on itrnradio.com. Get all of this, all of your broadcasts, this broadcast and others on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And this is itrnradio.com. Thank you, Dr. Godwin R.K. So, uh, Ms. Shepard, you got the floor. Tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, Dr. Goldman, I have to say to you, you said it was 
Um, you had to invite me. Well, I had to accept. How can you not accept um, when your spirit reaches out and says, please? So absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much. Very happy to hang out with you this evening. Um, I am Janie Shepard, L. Janie Shepard, and I am so excited to be living my best life right now, uh, doing organizational development consulting, DEI work, and I have a day job that I absolutely love, and I um, really am just so passionate about the ability to support, lift up the voices of others. Uh, whether it's around leadership, anti-racism, whether it's about diversity, equity, inclusion, and development of the other people in my life and the people I even haven't met yet, uh, but the development of others. And, uh, and that's just kind of my joy. And I love doing that. And I am uh, really blessed to be able to, to do that at this point in my life. Thank you very much, Ms. Uh, Lenora. Uh, you talked about organizational development. Uh, let me go to the other side of organizational development. What about the person? Because uh, okay. in a previous conversation with you, we talked about the H in HR, which is human resources, and the P in personal resources, which is still the person. So how do you consider, how do you look at in this time we're talking about equity and the lack of it? Of course, of yeah. course. So how do you get that H&P back even when you're discussing the organization? So first of all, I, 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 I remember that it's there. Even when it's silent, even when it's quiet, it's there. The human is there. The person is there. And so first remembering that. Um, but they haven't gone anywhere. Um, listening to that voice and making sure that we, I don't know, govern that we, that we connect with that voice. And I mean, I think you know that, you know, I was an HR director and I, I really appreciated the, the opportunity, not just to connect with the policies and the work and the unions and all of that, which was all very important. But it all comes down to, at the end of the day, in my opinion, the relationship. And so being able to say to another person, I see you, I see you, right? I see you. Um, I can be a witness to your experience. I'm here to listen. Um, I'm here to share. And so when I look at HR or the personnel or that you said that you just said that, right? The H and the P. <laughs> I like that, right? The H and the P. So we look at the H and the P, the human part. What is it that we do? I think this whole experience of COVID, and I'm so sick of saying that word, I have to tell you. Um, <laughs> but this whole experience of that has just hopefully highlighted the importance, um, just like other experiences in our, our history as human beings has highlighted the importance of at the end of the day, it's about the relationship. At the end of the day, it's about what we think about ourselves, what we think about each other, how we treat each other. Um, if, you know, if the world were to, for whatever reason, be gone today uh, or tomorrow, who would you want to be with? What would you want to be known for? What would you want to apologize for? 
And so instead of waiting for that to happen, why not do that today? Not Why not be that kind, um, intentional person today? And so that's what I think of when I think about the H and the P. When you take it into organizational development, I look at organizations as organisms, right? They are living, they are breathing. They need to be nurtured in the same way we nurture our bodies. They need to be fed. Um, they need to be uh, acknowledged. The people in them uh, have to be, again, acknowledged and nurtured um, and, 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 and looked at as the, literally the most important and valuable resource available to that organization. Yeah. That's interesting, your, 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 your approach, because uh, I have a question. You know, I've been told um, the best way to get a job or at least one of the first steps to get a job is at least to apply. Mm-hmm. And uh, now with the context of uh, automatic responses and all those things, people get discouraged yeah. when they get the auto response. And just two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and so prior to mine, we talked about people losing their benefits because they are denied at the first trial. Mm-hmm. So they, just don't, they just don't appeal. Right. Many vulnerable brothers and sisters, especially in our community, they don't reapply once they are, once there's paperwork involved or there's an initial denial. Yes. They don't go through it. So let me go to the employment side in terms of organizational development. Mm-hmm. How do you address ghosting? So, so mm. you, you know, you apply for something in February, you get the auto response, your life is essentially on pause and you don't move from there. I think, you know, this is really amazing that you would ask this question today. So one, I think that you are not what you do. And unless you embrace that first, um, you set yourself up in a really vulnerable position to be impacted by negativity in a way you do not need to be. So first of all, you are not what you do. You are who you are. And so go in with that, number one. And if you get ghosted, um, and it sounds kind of, uh, you know, foo-foo or, or <laughs> right, that, you know, oh, this is just such a nice uh, rose-colored glasses thing to say, but it's really not. It's really about power, and it's really about looking at your own power. And I know that I went through a really bizarre time. I have, you know, an incredible resume. I have a great background, et cetera, but I actually went to a time when I applied for 40 jobs, 40. And there were ones that I turned down. There were ones that turned me down. But it had nothing to do with who I was. It had nothing to do with what my skills were. It had to do with what it was a good match or not, whether someone saw my beauty or my power. And so, again, first looking at and going in knowing that what your beauty and your power is. And then also, after that, of course, you might get ghosted. But that just means that that's not the space you're supposed to be in. That is not the space you're supposed to be in. Because anyone who would ghost you, is not they're not the people you're supposed to be with. It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. 
And it does not acknowledge you as a human being. It doesn't acknowledge you, your skills, your experience, anything like that. And so if you are working with an organization that would ghost you, take it as a blessing that they did that because they're giving you information about who they are. And so move on. Move on. Yeah. In, in this world, in the current dispensation, with instant messaging, the generational divides, instant messaging and instant gratification, I may add that. I've had the unfortunate experience, not personal, but being part of it, where somebody was fired via text message, via SMS. And these are the same people that ordinarily ghost other people. So at what point should we hold these employers accountable? More so right now, post-COVID, so to speak, as we get to this endemic phase where with People are still sick, but not people are not dying, as we know. Hospitalization rate has uh, dropped, which is an amazing mm-hmm. indicator. Mm-hmm. So how do we keep people motivated? Why can why should you fire me via tweet or text message? Because we've seen it from high up. The president, former president, fired people via tweet too. Regardless of the position, um, regardless of a pandemic or endemic. Um, that kind of behavior is unacceptable. Um, you cannot keep blaming things on COVID. <laughs> um, you can't keep blaming things on, uh, well, you know, this is, uh, you know, we're in a COVID environment or where uh, these people are stressed out. That, that be- unacceptable, unacceptable behavior is unacceptable behavior, period, period. And so when you say at what point do we address that, it depends on the power dynamic, right? Because if I'm in a place where that power dynamic is um, such that I might lose, you know, my income or I might, you know, a promotion, right? Or I might lose a bridge or burn a bridge. I might need to be careful. That's the reality. That's the reality, right? That, that I mean, we can say all kinds of things about, you know, what we want to do. But at the end of the day, if that's my paycheck and my opportunity to connect with one, that's the reality. And so I think we need to give people some grace and space, to, to be there without giving them guilt um, for not being a champion in that area, right? Because they're worried about um, their rent <laughs> or their mortgage or their kids or tuition or whatever. And so, but at, and at the same time, if you are able, if, if one is able to do that, the time to do it is at the beginning, you know? The time to do it is when it's first happening. It's not, and I, I think sometimes, Godwin, I think, I think sometimes the question is, is, the time, but I also think it's about how, how do we do it? How do we do that in a way that the other person on the other end can hear it? Right? So I can pick the time, which is great, but I also need to pick the way, the way in which I share that information that says, you know what, what you just did was not okay. Um, and what you just did was not in in any way, something that lifted up or or look, not even take it to something personal. Let's do business, not in any way that would give your business money, 
not in any way that would allow you to bring in great talent into your organization, to retain talent in your organization, um, to keep you from spending money in uh, other recruiting efforts that you could have kept good people. So look at the business end of that. So it's more in the way, or not more, but also in addition to the way that that information is delivered. But it's still important that it's delivered. And sometimes it's not even you that has to do it. Maybe that has to come through another source. So it's the who, it's the why, it's the when, it's the how. But it's never the, it does it ever need to happen. It needs to happen. <laughs> it's just that we need to look at then the who, when, why, where, and how. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's really interesting take because now you are returning the H back into the human aspect. Yes. Which we know is missing. And uh, in a previous conversation with you and also with Kiana that is on this call, we've talked we talked about generational issues. Mm. And uh, I will give a personal story. I never want to be the subject of my own conversation. But I've been referred to as an HR risk. Mm. Because I have multiple jobs on my profile. Mm-hmm. And I work, of course, in emergency situation, post-conflict. And it's not what you want to do everything without losing your mind. But there are also HR and paper pushers and recruiters who just see you, you work six months here, five months here, four years, four months here, and one year in the other place. And they think, well, this guy will not stay. In our current dispensation, in our generation, we don't wait for retirement. We don't wait for pension. So how do we break that ceiling where we are not referred to as HR risk? You know, it's interesting you say that. Um, actually, a lot of the things you say are interesting, which is why I enjoy talking to you. Uh, it's like, it, to me, I think about, you know, when I used to do work with intimate partner abuse and people would ask, why does she stay? And we would always say, you know, why does he or she, the other person, abuse? And I think about, you know, not completely equating the two, but it's like, well, why did, you know, why did you leave, you know, why why didn't they keep you? As opposed to saying to the, looking at the situation and saying, why did this person leave? Why did they leave that situation? Now, don't get me wrong, as as a CEO, as an employer, as an HR person, as whatever my roles have been, I can look at that, and I do look at that, right? You know, you've been here for two months, four months, et cetera. Yeah, that's a little bit of a flag. However, at what point do we give credit to people who leave toxic environments? And I, I look at that and say, if I see too much of it, absolutely. You know, there's, there's something that's going on here, but let's explore that in the interview. But if I see one or two, then I go, okay, so my question to you is, uh, you know, one of my interview questions is at what point and under what circumstances do you know when it's time to leave a job? And some people might see that as a really negative interview question, but I find it really powerful because it gives me some insight into, you know, that person and what matters to them, what environment works for them, what supervision works for them, what motivates them, et cetera. And at what point they give up and also what makes them give up. And so, you know, again, looking at that HR risk, 
yeah, we should as HR folks and leaders and um, professionals and people who are in positions to hire folks look at those kind of things. We absolutely need to do that because they are red flags. At the same time, do not give us a whole story. That's a very good point. I hope you don't mind me jumping in. Oh, I'm so that's sorry. a very good point. <laughs> Hi, this is Colette. I think that's an excellent question, and I agree with you. I think that that is a question that should be asked not only in an interview, but throughout the tenure of any employee. What will make you leave? What will make you stay? Yes. And if if people understood, in fact, if people really understood human behavior, if they had more humanity, that question would not be so uh, unnecessary. It would be a necessary question because when you have good employees, you want to make sure that they remain with you and you want to make sure that what you're doing, you're doing the right things to keep that person. Yes. or those people. So in order for you to do that, you have to know something about them. You have to know something about those people. And without asking those questions, how are you going to know? And nowadays we talk a lot about millennials and millennials don't stay on a job for more than five years. Millennials don't stay in relationships because they think they don't have to. If he didn't do this, he did that. They don't stay. <laughs> and and we live in a time where nothing is forever, unfortunately. Mm. So we, yeah, we live in a time where everything is here today and gone tonight. And mm. that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. That is unfortunate. Marriages don't last 20, 30, 40, 50 years anymore. Somebody that's married 50 years or 60 years, that's an anomaly, and we're going, wow, how did that happen? So, so I nice think to hear your questions... voice. Say that again? I said it's so nice to hear your voice. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. So I think those questions are absolutely right on time, and they're perfect. I think they're perfect questions that should be asked. In fact, I had a conversation today with someone at the district level who is up at the top, and because of the way the the agency is conducting themselves after COVID, everybody is looking, and I do mean everybody, more people than ever, are mm -hmm. looking at, why am I staying here? Because mm -hmm. clearly, it's not about the employees, mm -hmm. clearly. And this man has, he gets accolades from the top. He gets accolades from the top. He is, he, he doesn't have to ask. He, he can call his own shot. But he's gotten now to a point where this is not about employees. It's not about humanity. It's mm -hmm. simply about you and your dollar and the, and the artificial way you treat us because there's nothing here that is authentic. Wow. So, you know, I love that, uh, that you bring up the word authentic. Mm -hmm. yeah. I really do. I, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier about, you know, the relationship. You just, I think you just hit it on the head, which is about authenticity. And, right. and authenticity isn't, isn't important. Yeah, it isn't important anymore. It's no longer a factor. 
The word is used, however, but the true, real definition of it is waning. Mm. We don't know. It, it, we use the word. It's thrown around. It's thrown around like empowerment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, as long as you're able to use the word, throw it around, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You really don't have to know what it means, the definition of you know, it. That is an interesting one approach and also being an HR risk. But I personally stop being, I will not use the word insecure. I will stop. I also not use the word being afraid. Mm. But when President, when somebody that has a name like Barack Hussein Obama, that's the last name you would think would become U.S. president. Became our president. And not a Bill Smith or a John Smith or a John Doe. <laughs> yeah. And my name is Godwin Orke. And they said, what? Godwin, Goodwin? And I said, come on. You can pronounce Godwin. It should not be that complicated. At mm-hmm. least you can say Godwin. And I've been called all forms and iteration of Orke, from Oreke to Okere to that. And I said, but you really can spell it out and sound it. And I'm talking about implicit bias in the workplace right now in, in recruitment, in the hiring process. If your name is like, okay, no, Chuke, okay, Chuku, Ibuebuize. Okay, well, that's a mouthful. And people have to change their identity. And you may ask me what's in a name. And I can tell you everything. Whole life. So now you from the other side of the divide where we are in constant flow and transitioning and we are coaching. I'm unashamedly unashamedly supporting my brothers, Mm -hmm. trying to push them up, trying to encourage them, trying to tell them that, you know, you know, I'm not taking your job. You're not taking my job, but you have to have your own place in the society. But in name calling and labels, how do you navigate? How do you negotiate when you are dealing with people with these issues with self-esteem? Are you asking how do you negotiate with the people who are experiencing the bias or the people? The who... People are experiencing the bias and people with the low self-esteem. Let me give another example to, 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 to buttress my point. The best encounter, and I just tell you this, it is the truth, and I don't like to be the subject matter, was at an interview for a position somewhere in the Bay Area. The recruiter told me that I made all, I checked all the boxes, Mm -hmm. but I was an unknown entity. Yeah. at the county level in that particular part of the Bay Area. Yeah. And he thinks, and and she thinks the entry approach, and she said it with respect, and she said it immediately, was for me to, to aim to up for deputy positions when I apply for jobs and not the chief. I should apply for deputy chief. I don't think that's respectful. 
Uh, you will be surprised. The way she portrayed it, I actually said, thank you. Because mm-hmm. what? Did. Yes, I did. <laughs> because she gave a premise and she said it immediately. So we were not going to go the teeth for tat. And it was not a case that we are not going to get you this job because I was applying for a chief position. But you apply for deputy chief, you always have a better chance because you already be inside and you will grow in the organization. But to come from outside, hey, bro, you will never get it. Wow. So I'm stating that out. This is my life. This is my story. And this is my journey. And I believe that people talk. I believe that people talk. In fact, I believe wholeheartedly that people talk and they, they, after they, they think about it, they say, I wasn't thinking that, or I never mm-hmm. thought that, mm-hmm. or I didn't. Or, and I, I say constantly, and I say it to those close to me all the time, stop thoughting. Mm-hmm. If you thought that, Stop thoughting because your thoughts, <laughs> your thoughts are getting you into trouble. Stop thoughting. So, Miss Jenny, okay. how do you handle such situation? How do you coach people, especially yeah. if they have funky names like Barack Hussein Obama or Godwin or Chuko Orke? I coach them in the same way when I have been told that I sound white. Um, and I've been told that since I was 12. Yeah. And then I yeah. into an interview <laughs> and I yeah. am clearly the only person there in a suit with a billfold in my, uh, you know, a thing in my hand. And they say, can I help you? And I say, I'm right. here for my interview. And they say, uh, with whom? <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? I, there's only, yeah. I'm here at the time stated. So when you say that, it's not from my name. Uh, my name is Janie Shepard, and so it's it doesn't really have anything that would tell you what my ethnicity, race is. Um, and for the most part, it does tell you what my gender is, but, you know, it depends, but it does. And so what I tell people is, again, stand in your power, which is exactly where I started with this, and and that you will encounter that. And there will be times when you cannot address it immediately. You cannot, I could not address that in that interview with that little, that person who happened to be a white woman who was a secretary. Um, however, the person who was the VP, actually I think she was an executive director, I think, um, who I met with actually ended up hiring me and is still my dear friend to this day, 30 years later. But if I had gotten, not gotten through that spot, um, that particular moment, and if I had done what I wanted to do in that moment, which was to just go, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm here. I'm standing here in the heat in 80 degrees in a suit and heels. <laughs> and you're asking me why I'm here at the time right. of an interview. Yeah. And yeah. so that's one, right? So just knowing that in that moment, I had to say, and many moments after that, including within the last, you know, months, I've had to say, um, Yep, this is me. <laughs> I'm here. This is who I am. Um, I believe in who I am. I know what I can do. And whatever you've got going on in your head 
is your stuff, not mine. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not mine. Absolutely. It's That's not right. mine. That's right. Yeah, you, you said something That's interesting. Right. You've been accused and apologized for that accusation of being white. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if I use the word accused, yeah. and I and if I apologize if I didn't, maybe that's kind of an interesting thing if I use the word accused, but it was like, I, w- I was like, yeah, you must be white, and then they see me, and it's like, you're right. not, not only are you not white, but you're a brown girl. But but your name right. is Janice Shepard. What if, if your name is Janisha Shepard? Would exactly. that have made a difference? And then how do you address mm-hmm. implicit bias no. in the workplace? What, we know that. What would have made the difference? What would have made the difference is had her name been Janisha, Quanisha, Quanisha. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Had her well, name been Quanisha, <laughs> yeah. Lakisha, Laquasha, anything like that, that would have made the difference. Absolutely. And there, okay. And had you gone in speaking Ebonics, had you had what they call laziness in your diction, that would have made the difference. Absolutely. But I remember when... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, my dear, please go. Go I'm done. Well, what I was going to say is when my parents moved us up to Altadena in 1963, my mother drove us back into L.A. for school every day. And we would go to school and, and they would say, you talk white. You talk like you're white. Mm-hmm. You sound like a white girl. You sound like a white guy. And I have always in my head, even at this moment, I've always said, well, what does that really sound mm-hmm. like or talk mm-hmm. like? Mm-hmm. So my mother taught us to speak the Queen's English, whoever the Queen is. So we were not raised to speak in Ebonics. And, and now it's Ebonics. But we were not raised to say Fitna. And today I was thinking, how do you even spell Fitna? Mm-hmm. But it I bet you were also too. raised to walk the Queen's walk. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like there's that piece too, which is you were raised to walk the queen's walk with your head high, whatever you want to do with your hair, whatever, whatever. And, and, and so it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know which queen we're talking about today, but I get to walk the queen's walk from absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. And she spoke many languages. Yes, she did. And, and we should be about it. That's what we should be about. And we should yeah. never, ever, ever deny our confidence. We should never deny who we are. Yes. We should never take what someone else says because we don't have to. We don't have to. Yes. So, and, and when I begin my classes again, and I'm, I'm seeking to do that, those are the kinds of things that I taught before. Those are the things that I'm going to resume teaching because until people understand that they don't have to succumb to what someone else says about them, then they will be stronger for it. They'll Mm. be better for it. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's exactly, that's it, right? That it's about, that what you just said is like so powerful. That's about sitting in our own space and being comfortable with it. And even though, whether it's a woman, a man, whether it's um, LGBTQ, whether it's 
uh, someone who's older, uh, it doesn't matter. Sit in your space, sit in your skin and know that you are beautiful and powerful exactly who you are. No matter. <clears throat> Excuse me. No matter what other people may see you as, because at the end of the day, the people who are looking at you will may or may be gone. And so it's not about their perception that defines you. It is you that defines you. Does your perception matter? Of course it matters. Of course it matters. We can't go crazy and say that doesn't matter. It matters. It matters right. about jobs. It matters about, you know, who gets the house. It matters about all the stuff, of course. However, at the end of the day, it does not define who, who you define who you are. That is what matters. That is your power. Right. And so know your That's power. Right. Know the source of your power. The source of your power does not come from others. Even when you are down, even when you are on the ground, even when you don't have a job, even when you can't pay your rent, it doesn't matter. The source of your power is you. That's right. That's right. And not only is it at the end of the day, it's also at the beginning of the day. Thank you. That's where it begins. Yes. The beginning of the day. Thank you. That's what really matters, how you begin your day, Thank how you. you begin knowing and understanding who you are and whose you are. Amen. And how do you, you know yeah. what, how do you support other people? Not just looking at what's happening with you, but how do you support other people in your life? How do you mm-hmm. lift up the other voices in your life? How do you lift up the other spirits in your life? How do you build community? How do you support community? Whether it's the youth, the elders, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, it doesn't matter. How do you support your neighbor? How do you support the other people in your life so that they can see their own power? That they can not just see it, but they can embrace it and use it and use it. So it's not just about an individual. It's not just about me. I got to worry about me, right? Of course I do. Again, I'm not putting on rose-colored glasses. At the end of the but it's still, I'm going to say, keep, I'm going to start saying the beginning of the day. I'm going to start saying that now. You, you teach, you've taught me something. So, but still, that, that, like, how do we keep doing that? But say, you know, I, I, it's not just about me. If I really want to make changes in the workplace, if I want to make changes around bias and DEI and I want to make changes around sexism and racism and all this stuff, I have to be able to lift up the voices and the people around me. Yeah, it, it, it is really, it is really interesting because now I was asking you about implicit bias, but you flipped it all around back to the original conversation on the human part. You're talking about kindness. You're talking about situational awareness. You're talking about building a community. So going back to the names, Barack Hussein Obama is an unusual name to be president. In America. But he made it as president. <laughs> and I have a daughter at home whose yeah. first name, her first name is Ochuko, Ogen Ochuko, which mm. is the first line of Psalm 23, which means the Lord is my shepherd. That is her name. And she's named after me. And her middle name is Emerald. 
That is that precious stone. And the last name is Orke. And I've had people come up to me when they ask me, what's the name of my own kid? I say Ochuko. That is abbreviation of again Ochuko. But I don't say Emerald. Then the same people come back to me and tell me, can't you just call her Emerald? Like they actually tell me what to call my own child so that she will advance in life. And I made it a point. Of course, I will school them. I can talk a storm, as you probably know. (laughs) (laughs) But I will tell them, you want to tell me what's in a name? I will tell you what's in a name. Her name is Ochuko. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is our guide. The Lord is watching over her. When she was born, that was what I thought of. Psalm 23, and that is her name. Plus, it's my name too. That's my middle name, but that's a first name. So you see people changing their names, adopting their names, changing their names, anglicizing their names. Mm -hmm. And you are telling me right now about building a community that is inclusive. You're also telling me about being kind. How do we marry these things? Because if you cannot pronounce a name in an interview, implicit bias, you just don't call them back. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let my colleague um, speak. I, I've got something to say, but she's beautiful. I want to hear her voice. Who is speaking now? <laughs> that was Janie. I want to hear my colleague's voice. Is, will it be uh, Yolanda? Yes. He wants to hear my voice? Listen, you know what? I've had the same voice for 70 years and I just don't anyway. understand w- what, what is heard in my voice. I never have. So <laughs> I still don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. I get that all the time. Someone wants to hear my voice. Okay. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Please. Please. Okay, so what would you like for me to say? my daughter's name from her first name to her middle name so that she's called Emerald Ochuko Oke rather than Ochuko Emerald Oke? Emerald. I love that. Ochuka. Ochuko. Now, I do have, a, I, I have a, a, an African name. I have a, a, um, it was given to me. Oh God, back in the seventies. Beautiful woman. Back in the seventies. And my my African name is Tazamisha. Mm-hmm. Tazamisha. And my sister, her name is Kidogo. The other one is Rahema. And my mother, her African name is Rahema. And my brother's African name is Interesting, I forgot his. Uh, his is, I don't remember. But we were all given African names in a ceremony. Mm-hmm. And that's when things were, that's when things were really, really about black people and the African-American experience and where we were going and what we were doing. 
That's when we had real, true power. That was in the 70s. And now things have changed. This is the microwave age, the mm-hmm. microwave generation. Mm-hmm. So the, the power that we that we that we want to pretend that we have, we're still pretending. It's not authentic power. That's our fault. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. I really do. Because it's a perspective that, you know, in my generation that I really appreciate. Um, Because I sit in my world and think I do have power. I think I have incredible power. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I worry. (laughs) <laughs> about whether or not I am too bold with my power, but I think I have incredible power and I try to pass that on to anyone who will listen. Um, and I, but I also take what you're saying right into, into, into my spirit and say, okay, but there are so many people who feel that they don't or they haven't had and mm-hmm. I, I just know how beautiful people are and how powerful they are when they know their power. Yes, when they know their power. And individually, mm-hmm. we, individually, we have, we have a prescribed power that comes along with confidence. Mm-hmm. Collectively, collectively, mm-hmm. we're losing, we're losing the battle. Collectively. And if we don't do something about that quickly, then we are lost and losing. So we collectively are not the strength that we should be. We're not the powerhouse that we should be, that we were taught to exhibit, that I was taught to exhibit back in the 60s and at the 70s. I was taught that. I used my power as an individual, as a woman, as a black woman. And at my age, I really don't fear anything. I I have no fear. I don't fear anything or anybody. And it requires getting to this point because it's not something that you automatically get it requires living it requires living it requires being it requires being authentic that's amazing that's amazing i and this is just me again not having had the lived experience that you have and respecting it i also think it requires supporting others I, I, I look at some of the, I don't have children or anything like that, but I get the opportunity to influence some young people in the world. And, um, and that's, um, it depends on how you define young. <laughs> uh, and sometimes it's people in their thirties and sometimes it's people who are 12. But either way, um, I think that, uh, I do look at it as, um, again, remembering your perspective, but looking as, you know, hey, we do have power. And yeah. 
uh, and we have done amazing things and we are powerful. And I think that giving, this is just, again, this is just one person's perspective, giving the message that how about that you are powerful is really important. I think that there are so many messages that come that, you know, hey, you're in your job. I mean, I've been in a job or jobs or a job specifically, um, not my current one for sure, but other ones and specific one where, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you're great, but you're not that. And I watch so many people go and do these other positions and functions and whatever. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then, and, but yet they still come and say, can you teach us? Can you write this? Can you do that? Uh, it's like, well, but I can't have a job. Oh, well, no, because you're not the right face for it. Um, and so we'll pay you, but no, you're not, you're not the right face for it. And then you go to do your resume or you go to, you know, apply for another job and you can never say that you did that because you were the one who actually created the stuff for somebody else to put on their resume. So for people to be able to, for people of color, for people who are marginalized, to be able to say, I have that power, it is worth something. It is worth something. It is worth money. It is worth time. (laughs) And that we use our power to lift up others, to help them see what they have to give, to help them see that what they have is important, to help them see that, you know, sometimes they give things that other people take and take credit for, Um, to help them see that when they're in a meeting and they say, you know, the sky is blue and no one listens, and then a white male or some other person speaks up that's not a black woman or a person of color and says, oh, the sky is blue, and everyone goes, oh, my God, that's such a great idea. And it's like, okay, so how do you manage those situations? How do you, right? That's a good question. That is a good question. And the conversation on implicit bias. <laughs> you have, you know, there are times where you should be seen and not heard. Yeah. But there are also a lot of times where you must be heard. Yes. So that you are not forgotten because out of sight could just be out of mind. Absolutely. You have to balance. If you speak, you are de- you are de- determined as being aggressive. Aggressive. All the iterations of being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And if you don't speak, you are passive and there is no middle ground. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So at times, no matter the language you are speaking, if you know your thoughts, you just have to say something. Right. And it could just be anything like, excuse me, good morning. Just to know you are in the room. Mm -hmm. But you know you can say much more. And when you say more than that, you become a threat. (laughs) Yes. I'm laughing because, not because it's funny, but because it's a shared experience. Yeah. So at the end of the day, when we leave our homes in the morning, we pray, give us this day our daily Mm -hmm. bread. Because it is truly important. But our daily bread also comes with our dignity. What of when we just are not given the opportunity to conserve our dignity? The example we gave of people being denied benefits because they need it and they're in the Department of uh, Social Services, etc. And just because 
they had a forced rejection for incomplete paperwork. Uh, Essentially, they become homeless from that point because incomplete does not mean you cannot complete it. But most people stop because they don't have navigators. Right. And they don't have advocates. Right. Right. Incomplete. Denied. Boom. All you need to do is somebody to tell you, yes, you can. Then take the yeah. same paperwork and tell them, okay, they ask for utility bill. Did you include it? And your answer is no. Okay, do you have one? Yes, bring it in. They ask for signature from your landlord. Do you have it? No. Can you get it? Yes, bring it in. That could just be the only two documents they need. And that right. could be the difference yes. between you being homeless when it's already tough and hard enough for you. So let's talk about advocacy. And navigation, both in the healthcare business where I work, but just in our community and society, why to sustain people to keep us going? This coaching, yeah. as a coach, you know, we I see a lot of missed opportunities. Mm. My younger daughter, she's the only one in the house with me, so she's always my example. She negotiates everything with me. And she always asks me why respectfully. And I would tell her. And she would tell me, what of if they should give me her own case scenario? Because I've trained her to do that. Then she will give me the cases and the options in her mind. And I'll tell her that is a good argument or that is not or at the end of the day, daddy says no. Okay, so end. But there are also times I will concede if she convinced me. Like I took my 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 boost, second booster shot and it knocked me out. Mm. And my daughter said, you know, this is a time we have to be careful daddy. This was on day three. This we have to be careful really to know if it is COVID or not. So rather than a kiss, can I just rub your head? <laughs> And I said, okay, that is fair. I concede to that. I bend, she rubbed my head and said, okay, daddy, that's fine. But I also know she rubbed my head and not a kiss because I was in front of the school dropping her off and all the other kids were there and we were already late. And she didn't want to see somebody kissing her at at the good old age of nine. But it is that negotiation, not giving up, giving a counter argument rather than using the F word, the bomb word and walking away, which is what we see every day at the county building. I know we have only a few minutes left and this is the time where uh, we remind us of the show and uh, the things we do on this show. But uh, this is a conversation we must have perseverance, being kind and keeping us back. Yolanda. Yes, thank you so much. And once again, Dr. Orkay, fabulous, outstanding conversation. I love your show. I wait for your show every Monday. Thank you so very, very much. And you always have great, inspiring guests. So thank you very much, both of you. Thank you very much. And you have been listening to Dr. Godwin Orkay, 
right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And this broadcast and all of the broadcasts here on Intentional Talk Radio can be found on all of your favorite, your major podcast platforms. And don't forget, you can always get us right here on itrnradio.com. Be sure to join us again. And I'm sure when Dr. Orkay comes back, he will have a guest that you will not want to miss. So thank you very much, Dr. Orkay. Do it again. You always have a great show, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you very thank much. You. And, and this so time, much. I'm giving uh, Ms. Jenny the last word. <laughs> I just want to say thank that um, the opportunity to participate in um, and this is awesome. And I thank you so much for this discussion and, and, and just putting this out to others. Um, my heart is full. My yeah. heart is full. Yeah. The, the recording yeah. will be made available and you can share it with your colleagues and friends and drive traffic current to the, to the radio. Absolutely. And don't forget. June is Black Music Month, and we will be celebrating, as we do every June, Black Music Legends. So be sure to join us. And also, we will also be celebrating Juneteenth. On June 18th, Dr. Maurice Franklin, who is a genealogist, will be bringing his panel to ITRN Radio, and they will be discussing genealogy. You don't want to miss it, folks. You don't want to miss it. And my hope and my prayer is that we do not have to have another COVID number five. Let's not do that, people. Let's not do that. So if you have to get boosted, wear a mask, stay away, something so that we don't have to do COVID number five. Right, Dr. Orkay? You got it all right. And uh, <laughs> it, it has been awesome. And COVID has taught us we can do some things differently. And yeah. it's a pandemic that can be treated by love and respect, you know. Yeah. Follow the common sense. I, res- I know that some people have gone to school. So Google University and Facebook College may just not be the way. Misinformation and disinformation are real. But oh, one million dead people are also real. So yeah. do the cause yeah. benefits and it's always a pleasure to have spend these Monday nights at this uh, radio station and it's always the highlights of my week and I thank you. Thank you very much as it is with us as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you once again. And you have been listening to the Intentional Talk Radio Network right here with Dr. Godwin Orkay on In Your Own Words. Be with us tomorrow for Change Matters. Your host, Kenny Hendricks and Colette Williams, will be with you to talk with their guests who will be here tomorrow. The playwright, LaShawn Gray. So thank you all for joining us. And remember, you can get this broadcast and all of your favorite broadcasts broadcast on ITRN Radio and all of your major, your favorite podcast platforms. We're all over, folks. Stick and stay. Do not go away. This is where we talk to you, for you, 
with you and about you. And it is all good. Have a good evening, folks. Take care and please take care of others and take care of yourself. Have a good night. Be safe. Mon amour,